Good morning. Today is Monday, January 17th, 2022. Happy Tubishvat. So, I have an answer to a question that has bothered me for many years. And the answer that I want to share with you is inspired by Rabbi Herschel Schachter. I was listening to a shear to a class that he was delivering recently, and he did not actually say what I am going to share with you, uh, but he shared some of the sources on which I base what it is that I'm going to share with you. So I bear the responsibility for what I'm going to say. And that is, we've discussed in the past, there is an incredible evolution in the nature of Tubishvat, both in what it means and in how it is observed. The source of Tubishvat, the 15th day of the Jewish month of Shvat, which is today, the source is clearly mentioned in the Mishnah alongside several dates that are mentioned as Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. So, for example, the beginning of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the Jewish year. That's our high holiday of Rosh Hashanah. That's the beginning of the year for counting years. Nisan, the beginning of Nisan, is the beginning of the year in terms of counting the order of the months, first month, second month, third month, and we've discussed that subject earlier. And Tubishvat, the 15th day of the Jewish month of Shvat is Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanos, the first day of the year for trees. Now, we've discussed this also on previous uh, Tu that this is clearly and exclusively an accounting date. It's a fiscal year for the mitzvos that apply in agriculture in the land of Israel, for example, truma and miser, the tithing that a farmer is required to take, 10% of his crop to give to the poor or to give to the levy, and certain other agricultural laws. And the reason for it is very logical and very simple. Let's just take the example of miser. So miser means I take a farmer in Israel takes 10% of the crop, but it has to be from that year's crop. How do you figure how much is grown in a given year to make sure that you've taken 10% of that year's crop? You cannot carry it forward. So what you do is you select a date in the middle of winter in Israel when nothing is blossoming now. And that's, we call that Rosh Hashanah. So whatever sprouts and blossoms and is harvested after Tu Bishvat is in the next fiscal year for the purposes of tithing for Miser until next Tu Bishvat. So that is a very good date, a logical date to give us the fiscal year for crops. Makes sense. Purely an accounting date. It's incredible how Tu Bishvat has evolved in modern times into a celebration. 
Many people have a ritual known as Seder Tubishvat, a Seder about Tubishvat. There is a practice that many people have to eat fruits and other foods that come from Israel. Although, of course, this year there's a bit of a complication with that because we have to be careful not to violate the laws of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, which has some limitations on what is harvested during this Jewish year. Okay. But it's a celebration and it's celebrated in many different ways. So the question that I've always had is, how did Tu Bishvat evolve from an accounting date into a day to be celebrated? And I've had this question for many years. And now I have an answer to share with you. The earliest mention that we have that Tu Bishvat is in any way a day to be celebrated is in a Jewish legal work known as the Mordechai. Mordechai was a 13th century, very important German Talmudic scholar. He wrote commentary to the Talmud. He wrote halachic works, works of Jewish law. His full name is Mordechai ben Hillel HaKohen, Mordechai, the son of Hillel the Kohen. He lived for much of his adult life in Nuremberg, in Germany. And he is known to us as Mordechai, the Mordechai. His, his writing is known as the Mordechai. And his legal opinions are often codified in Shulchan Aruch, our code of Jewish law, as normative Jewish practice. He is an important 13th century source of Jewish learning and Jewish practice. And the Mordechai writes that Tu Bishvat is like a minor holiday because it is listed in the Mishnah as one of the four days that are called Rosh Hashanah. And since our Rosh Hashanah, the one that we are familiar with, the beginning of Tishrei, our high holiday of Rosh Hashanah is a major holiday. So Tu Bishvat, which is mentioned in the same list, is also a holiday, albeit a minor holiday. That's what the Mordechai writes. Question is, that's a really tenuous connection. I mean, how does that make sense? There is nothing in that line of the Mishnah or anywhere in the Talmud to indicate that Tu Bishvat is a day to be celebrated. And it just doesn't seem so logical because it's listed next to another date that is a holiday that it should be a holiday just because it's listed there. Seems like a very, very slim, very far-fetched reason to make Tishabov into even a minor holiday. Reversal Schachter explained the following. Mordechai lived in Germany, far from Israel. And he, like other Jews of his time and before his time and after his time, yearned for Israel. 
which was impossible to achieve at his time. But he wanted any and every connection that he could possibly find. So he took this slight, far-fetched reason to create a connection to Israel, to create a connection to Israel's seasons, to Israel's mitzvos, to the commandments and practices that would apply in Israel, even if in his time they were purely academic. They had no practical application in his time. One of the great miracles of Jewish history is that in the 19th century, and especially in the 20th century, and going even stronger in the 21st century, when Jews finally could go to Israel, after almost 2,000 years of separation, so many did and do and will. I hope one day to be among them. How is it, while the history of every other migrating people in history, only the Jews have kept alive our connection to our homeland from which we came originally and kept alive our desire to return. How did that happen? Well, it is through innumerable prayers said by every Jew every day for 2,000 years. In our Amidah, we pray, God, sound the great shofar for our freedom. And gather us from the four corners of the earth to return to Israel. Wherever we were, wherever we were living, whatever we were going through, we repeated daily this desire. With compassion, God, with mercy, return to Jerusalem. May our eyes witness the return of God to Zion, to Israel. May we be there to witness it. And in addition to the prayers, it is through innumerable, consciously created references and rituals and celebrations, such as Tu Bishvat. So that when the time came finally that it was physically possible, the vision, the desire, the drive to do so, was, if not as strong, even more strong and became a reality in our day. Such as Tu Bishvat. And we see today the success of that all-encompassing, multi-pronged effort so that today, 
Tu Bishvat celebrates a connection to Israel that the Mordechai in 13th century Germany could only dream about, only imagine. Today it is coming true. There's a great quote from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to gather wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather inspire them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. That is what Mordechai did with Tubishvat. He created another link in the chain of yearning for Israel. And we celebrate today his foresight and the foresight of so many others leading to our return to a vibrant and verdant Israel today that we can refer to and we do refer to as Rashis Tzmichas Geula Senu, the beginning of the blossoming, the sprouting of our redemption. Happy Tu Bishvat. Chag Sameach. My friends, I want to wish every one of you a great day, a happy Tu Bishvat, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.